0: Bubble, please. I said to you that um, over the summer I prepared four messages to preach when I got back, and um, we've had three. The first was on Christian kindness, uh, something that God has been speaking to us, showing us. The second was on dealing with anger, and uh, the third I preached last week, which was on prayer and getting that balance in our lives between spontaneity and praying in the Spirit, and more disciplined forms of prayer, like prayer meetings, corporate prayer meetings. And I would encourage you, if you haven't, um, if you've been away over the summer, please get onto the podcast and listen to those three messages, because they're kind of key in terms of where we're going. And I said to you, the the last thing that I wanted to talk about, as we start this year, is is giving, and how we give, and why we give. And so, um, if you're visiting this morning, You've got the short straw, right? Because I'm talking about money today. And I only talk about money probably once a year. And uh, so you've got the Sunday that I talk about money. So I just want to start by saying this, that I'm so thrilled that uh, God has brought us into a freedom of the gospel. And what I tried to say to you last week is that every area of our lives, every area of our, our lives in terms of worship, needs to be out of a place of freedom. Even when we pray, we need to be praying out of a gospel freedom in our lives. And, and I think sometimes churches can can put, even unwittingly put compulsion on people. Uh, I said to some of the pastors on Wednesday that, that there is legalism in churches, and I don't even think sometimes that that pastors try to be legalistic. It's that they just want the best for the church and they're aware of trying to Lead the church, and there's the, the budget that has to be met, and they're trying to take care of people, and, and, and kind of that's the heart of a pastor. And so sometimes there can be a compulsion that is inadvertently put on people because you're trying to do your best. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't think necessarily that, that pastors want to be legalistic, but there can be legalism in churches. And um, I particularly want to encourage you in your giving that your giving is out of a place of gospel freedom. All right? That we give out of a place of overflow and joy in our lives. And I've prepared this message in a different way this morning. I could have chosen a number of key passages on giving in the Bible and logically showed you why Paul says what he says and um, why the logic of why we should give and how we should give. What I've decided to do this morning is in a summary way... Choose seven scriptures that speak of different aspects of of giving, and I hope that will encourage you in your whole theology of giving in your life. There have been three key key messages in the last five years in this church, and again, I want to encourage you, uh, if you haven't listened to these messages, to get on the podcast. R.T. Kendall came in 2012 in January, and he did a brilliant teaching on the specifics of tithing, and I encourage you to go and listen to that if you haven't listened to it. I preached a message called The Grace of Giving on the 15th of July, 2012, and I had a look on the podcast. That's the last time I spoke about money, really. 2012, it is now 2014, so I don't feel anything (laughs) to preach again this morning on money, all right? Uh, That's two years ago. And uh, kind of holding everything together has been our relationship with Michael Eaton, and he's really helped us to... Develop a biblical theology in this church of giving and generosity. And uh, I want to encourage you to listen to those messages that I've said already. And so, my heart this morning is to honestly speak to you about finances without putting compulsion on you, right? That you still would be able to give out of joy and out of an overflow of worship in your lives, knowing that there are certain things that um, are practical and that the church does need finances to function properly. So I'd like to reference some thoughts that I read this week by John Piper, and uh, a very interesting article that he he quotes um, from Christianity Today, which is now 10 years old. But um, this guy, James Williams, from the Church of God, World Service, he said this, Our people, 45 years old and younger, so this was 10 years ago, so anyone up to the age of 55, all right? has been mesmerized by materialism. There's a tremendous pressure on families to spend, to spend, and spend. (laughs) And then he adds, I've heard that the generation that believed in the tradition of tithing is in three places. Retirement homes, nursing homes, or cemeteries. (laughs) And uh, what he's trying to say is the baby booming generation, uh, the baby busters, whatever you want to describe this generation that we are part of, hasn't embraced tithing as a world view. Um, And I don't think much has changed really over over the last 10 years in terms of when I speak to other people that lead works or churches, um, few people still hold to a theology of tithing. And I hope this morning that I'll encourage you to embrace a theology of tithing and secondly, that I might answer some questions that you might have about the, the biblical um, understanding of giving. And I, I want to start by just saying this. All of us are in different stages in our lives, aren't we? Some of us are older. Some of us more established. Some of us have bought houses. Others are maybe just married, just starting out, hoping to buy a house. Uh, perhaps you've moved to St. Albans from a different area, and it's you beginning to experience that it's, a, it's an expensive place to live. Perhaps you've just finished school. or uh, well, the, the ones who've gone to uni have already gone to uni. But you're about to finish school and embark on your career. Perhaps you've just got married like Richard and Jill, um, and you wanted to start your home and have a home of your own. This is the question that affects all of us, though, is what are we going to do with the money that we earn? It's a very basic question. How are we going to handle our own finances? Um, Perhaps you're new in this church community, uh, and one of the things in your heart maybe is a hindrance to you in terms of giving is you don't still feel at home enough here to think, well, maybe it's worthwhile investing in this community, and there's still that sense of, um, I'm not quite sure if I want to give my money, Uh, but I want to encourage you this morning that if that is you, be careful that that struggle doesn't become a drawn-out pattern of not giving anything at all, because there's always a worthy church, there's always a worthy ministry, and Jesus and His kingdom are absolutely, infinitely worthy to sow into, all right? So I want to encourage you with that. so I want to appeal to you this morning that we would learn as a church to give generously. And uh, part of that is, the baseline of that is tithing. But I've called this mes- message tithing and beyond to generosity because I feel like that's where God wants us to get to as, as a church. Um, so whatever you, wherever you are on that spectrum, I trust that you will move a little bit further along the spectrum towards embracing a biblical worldview of, of giving. And I want to say this this is the, 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 the tragedy, well, the tragedy, this is the reality of the world in which we live, the, the kind of um, very materialistic first world that we live in, that as soon as you start earning a lot, the principle of a tenth becomes less attractive. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, we, uh, we work very hard for our money, and why, why should we give a tenth? And uh, I was just reading in the paper yesterday about how many billionaires there are now in the world. And what they were trying to qualify what means, it means to be wealthy. Because, you know, in, the politicians tell us that the wealthy must pay for, for uh, benefits and help because they earn more. And I, I, I hold to that. But the definition of the, of, that they gave is anyone earning 250,000 pounds a year is wealth, wealthy. Anyone here earning 250,000 pounds a year? So very few of us are wealthy, according to these definitions. They, they were saying, those are the guys who must rarely be taxed the most. <laughs> those that earn for two hundred fifty thousand pounds and above. Well, for the rest of us, we have to learn to still facilitate our finances well, all right? And I want to give you seven summary reasons that I believe speak of generosity, and they are su- summary reasons. And I want, to, I want to start at what you might... Um, Think is a strange place. Matthew 23, verse 23. Can you go there? We're going to read um, Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, speaking to the Pharisees. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! (laughs) For you tithe. You tithe mint, you tithe dill, and cumin. Your herbs and spices you even tithe, he says. But you have neglected the weightier matter of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You should have done the former without neglecting the others. And I, I find this a fascinating scripture, and I want to kick off here, because Je- Jesus really summarizes in this little phrase what is in our hearts all the time, isn't it? He's, he's criticizing the Pharisees because they, they've got so religious and about about giving and tithing, and they've missed the bigger picture of what, what, what this is all about. This is all about love and justice and mercy and living for others. And Jesus is saying, you mustn't forget to give, but everything about the Christian life is about our hearts and, and, and why we give and what motivates us from the inside. And so he's, I want to encourage you right at the beginning don't lose the big picture. This is not, I'm not trying to get picky about money. I'm trying to say to you, in the light of our lives and of our all of our worship to God, Where does money fit in and how does it fit in? And it's got an important place because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And so I want to encourage you that we encourage each other along this journey. And it is a journey. And wherever you are, I want to encourage you this morning. So the first thing I'd like to say is that giving, tithing, in a biblical way, it honors both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm so tired of people telling me that if you preach anything out of the Old Testament, you are bringing people under law. What absolute nonsense. The gospel is from Genesis to Revelation. David said, Lord, I love your law with all of my heart. There's biblical freedom in the scripture. From Genesis to Revelation. All right? And tithing does... uh, Giving, in the way I'm trying to describe it to you, does honor both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here it is for you. You recall that... um, In the Old Testament, the 12 tribes, one of them was designated, the tribe of Levi was designated to be those that ministered in the tabernacle. Do you remember that? And so instead of giving them a portion of the land, uh, all the other tribes of Israel had a portion of the land. Um, The tribe of Levi didn't have a portion of land for itself. They were to live off what the people gave, the other 11 tribes, what they gave. And so God says in Numbers 18... Through Aaron and through Moses, in verse 20, it says, speaking of the tribe of Levi, You shall have no inheritance in the land, nor only any portion amongst them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel, and to the sons of Levi I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance, in return for their service which they perform, the service in the tent of meeting. So here are these guys that are vocational ministers, like I am a vocational minister, and. Um, They were to be provided for and honored by the people out of the the giving of everyone. Ah, you might say, how does that fit in today? Because surely that's Old Testament law, and if we're going to do that, we're bringing people under law. Well, I don't think so, because here Jesus, in in Matthew 23, in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, continues this principle for the sake of his church. And the strongest argument for, for what I'm trying to say to you is what Jesus has just said. He said, you should have done the former without neglecting the others. He's endorsing this. He's saying, this is a good thing. This is something that you should still give yourself to without neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness and love. All right? You might say, well, is that the only New Testament evidence?" No, it's not. You see, there's another point in 1 Corinthians 9:13 where Paul says, writing to the Corinthian church, don't you know those who perform service in the temple eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share in the altar. In other words, he's reminding the New Testament church of this Old Testament principle, and he says then in verse 14, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Yes? So Paul affirms it for, for people that give themselves... In ministry, and it seems to me logically that there's both Old Testament and New Testament evidence that this is a principle, a guideline, if not a mandate, but certainly a guideline of how we should be giving in terms of the Old and the New Testament. And so I think, unfortunately, I don't hold to a prosperity gospel, not unfortunately <laughs> I don't hold to a prosperity gospel. Unfortunately, large parts of the church have, uh, have uh, affirmed the prosperity gospel. I think it's a tragedy. I think that if you switch on the God channel, you'll see many ministers that affirm the prosperity gospel. God just wants to bless you. So your VW Golf and your Reap a Mercedes Benz, all this kind of stuff, uh, the latest suits, the, the big church buildings, all this stuff. I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking. I am knocking. <laughs> I am knocking that. I'm saying I don't believe it's the gospel. Uh, The giving in the kingdom is never for you to get rich, ever. It's for the sake of other people, always. And we get blessed along the way, but we never give to get back. We give to sow into the kingdom because it's what we are called to do. And so if you are sitting here this morning and you have a mindset that I'm preaching this because I want a Mercedes Benz, I want to tell you I do not want a Mercedes Benz. I want to tell you this. Secondly, I'm quite happy with my car. I do need a new car at the moment because my old car is falling to pieces. But I'm not looking at getting a fancy new car. I'm not looking at getting a bigger house. I'm very happy with my house. So I'm preaching this because I don't need anything from you. (laughs) You hear that? I want you to know that. I get a wage, and I, I, I get a wage like all of you do. And I'm not preaching this... Because I want money. I'm preaching this because I want the blessing of God upon this church and something of God's order when it comes. The blessing is there for other people. I want to take money to Cambodia, not because we are trying to have an apostolic tourism kind of two weeks in in Cambodia, because we are going to preach the gospel and to bless other people and to see the kingdom of God come there. That's why we need finances for it. And I guarantee you, we won't be staying in fancy hotels. Anyway, there's my little rant. Secondly, it honors not only the Old and New Testament, it also honors God as the creator of all things. Um, God owns everything, doesn't he? I mean, the scripture says, Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those things who dwell in it. But I've found this over the years, that some people object to tithing, or to giving in the church, on this basis, they say, well, everything that I have is God's. My whole life is God's. All my money is God's. And so I don't need to give some of it, because all of it is His. Can I just dismantle that argument right now? In this way. Wives, how would you feel if your husband said to you, My darling, all of my time is yours. You know that all of my time is yours. I don't need to give you any date nights. I don't need to give you any time away because all of my life is yours and all of my time is yours. You know that's true. Ladies, would you find that a little bit hypocritical? Would you? Yes, you would. Why? Because the specific proves the general. Doesn't it? The proof of the fact that your husband's life is yours is that he cares enough to not play golf one day and to take you out and to take you out for a meal. The specific proves the general, doesn't it? In the same way, we can say, Oh God, all of my money is yours. You know what proves the fact that all of our money is God's is that specifically we give some to him. In fact, All of it is His. And after we've given the tenth, the seal over the 90% is, it's still God's. So all of our lives is God's, but we prove that the tenth is a special, in a special way, belongs to God because it proves that the ordinary belongs to God. And that's why, you know, that's the only reason I think that one day a week should be God's. All of our time is God's, and we prove specifically by how we deal with one day in the week that it's His. And again, the specific proves the general. Are you with me? And so, I hope I've still got some friends after this. <laughs> Thirdly, it's an antidote to covetousness. An antidote to covetousness. You know, the, both the Old and the New Testament affirm that we shouldn't covet. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, Luke 12:15 says, Beware on your, and be on your guard against every form of covetousness. Covetousness is just greed. And Paul calls that in Colossians 3, 5, he calls that idolatry. Now, we don't like to think that we are greedy, but I want to say to you all that all part of our fallenness is that we are greedy, and we always want more. Okay. I challenge you not to have two Boor rolls today. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, have three, have four. Anyway, um, Hebrews 13 says that wanting things too much is dangerous for your soul. It says, be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Here's the thing. Every time you give one-tenth, you have to deal with the desire of what you could have bought with that money. Every time you give. Every time you give, you have to deal with the desire of what you could have done with that extra money. You see, to give into the kingdom means you do not buy some other things. (laughs) Unless you're earning 250,000 pounds a year, which we established no one here is. You see, it's a weekly crisis for everyone who gives. And we have to fight that covetousness in our own life. And God has given us an antidote for greed, against greed, and that simply is giving. <laughs> it's simply sowing. And so, at the end of the day, our hearts are tested all the time, again and again. What do we desire most? Is it the kingdom? Is it Jesus' kingdom in our lives? Or is it what we can spend for ourselves in our own comfort, our own fun? And you know what? I love iPhones, but quite frankly, you don't, we don't really need iPhone six yet iPhone four still works well, and you know the iPhone six doesn't bend I don't know that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. people trying to prove that it bends anyway. I'm getting distracted now. Where your treasure is, tithing is one of the great antidotes to being covetousness, to being to covetousness, to being greedy for more and this last this next one kind of follows on from that, point number four. It curtails a desire for ever-expanding spending. Um, it's, quite, it's like the last one, but not, not quite the same. It kind of puts a limit on your desire just to spend more. There's a credible rule that uh, as your income goes up, you will s- expand to fill the income. So I read um, that uh, in America a couple of years ago, there was a book called Getting By on $100,000. Getting By on $100,000. Well, the current exchange rate, that's about 60,000 pounds. So the guy's writing a book how to live, how to exist on 60,000 pounds a year. Like it's so hard to exist on 60,000. Why? Because the reality is the more that you earn, the more that you buy. Isn't it? And so I want to say honestly before you this morning, I don't think very much about round-the-world cruises. I don't really I don't have uh, think very much about a 250,000 pound Ferrari. Not really. Why? Quite simply because my income is not sufficient to think about those things. But if I was earning 250,000 pounds a year, I guarantee you I would be thinking about a Ferrari and about a round-the-world cruise. Why? Because the infallible law is that as you earn more, you expand to fill your income. And that's why you can see people that go through the divorce courts with these... Uh, high-profile marriages, and the woman says, uh, I can't exist on six, six, million, um, six million a year. I need more than six million a year. Why? Because her life and her living has expanded into six million. You hear what I'm saying? And all of us know you can't you can exist on, on a fraction of that. I love the story of um, John Wesley, and I want to I just offer it to you as an example of what I'm saying that we can we can't curtail this impulse that we have towards ever-growing luxury and more of everything. This is from uh, the Mission Frontiers magazine, an article out of illustrating Wesley's life. It says this. Wesley was one of the great evangelists of the 18th century, born in 1703. In 1731, he began to limit his expenses so that he could have more money to give to the poor. In the first year, his income was 30 pounds, and he found he could live on 28 and so he gave away two. In his second year, his income doubled, but he held his expenses even so that he had 32 pounds to give away. Now, in the 1700s, 32 pounds was a comfortable year's income. In the third year, his income jumped to 90 pounds, and he gave away 62. In his long life, his income advanced to as high as 1,400 pounds a year. That's a lot of money. But he rarely let his expenses rise above £30. He said that he seldom had more than £100 in, in his possession at one time. This so baffled the English Tax Commission that he was investigated in 1776. And they insisted that a man of his income must have more silver dishes and that he was not paying the due exercise on his dishes. And he wrote to them, I have two silver spoons, one in London. Oh, now I have two silver spoons in London and two in Bristol. And this is all the plates that I have at present. And I shall not buy any more while so many around me still need bread. (laughs) What is he saying? He's saying, I'm doing all that I can to curtail my own desire to have more. (laughs) And it says, uh, he died in 1791 at the age of 87 The only money in his will was the coins that were found in his pockets and in his dresser. And most of the 30,000 pounds, in 1,700, 30,000 pounds is millions of pounds in today's money that he'd earned over his life from his writing, his books, etc. Most of it had been given away. I cannot help, he wrote, I cannot help leaving my books behind me when God calls me, but in every other respect, my own hands will be my executors. In other words, he's curtailing this desire just to have more and more and more. Am I living like that? No, I'm not living like that. Do I desire to live more like that? Yes, I do. For the kingdom and for what Jesus has for us as a church community. And the last, the last three summary reasons I want to give you are all found in one scripture. Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and I'll spend five minutes on this and then we're going to break bread together. Again, here Paul is talking about giving. Um, He says in verse 6 of chapter 9, This I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each one do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, not under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in everything, you will have an abundance for every good deed. Isn't that amazing? I want to pick on a couple of things. Giving, tithing, and giving beyond the tithe, sixthly, fifthly, is God's way of bringing about an abundance of good deeds. That's what it says that each one is due uh, not grudgingly under compulsion, that you might have an abundance for every good deed for his glory. You see, when you sow cheerfully, when you sow bountifully, you will have enough for every good deed. The goal is good deeds. The goal is other people. The goal is the poor. The goal is those that do not have. That's the goal. Excess money is for those things. And that's why we have to curb the desire in our own lives just to have more for ourselves. Because if we have more for ourselves, we cannot give to those things that God says the money is for. And so I believe that as we um, learn to live like this as a community, it does make our light shine. It does make people uh, sit up and say, these people are living for God's glory, not for their own. And if you have treasures on earth, you'll have treasures in heaven. And so... I love Titus 2.13 where Jesus says that he's died to purify for himself a people who are zealous for good deeds. I think the church has got into a great mess where we don't want to give ourselves to good deeds because we think somehow that's earning our salvation. No, come on now. Our salvation comes freely in Christ. And once we know that, we give ourselves to good deeds, not because we're trying to get ourselves saved. We're already saved, already loved. No, we give ourselves to good deeds because there's so many people that need help. Come on now. And so, um, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 also says, the aim of material uh, blessing is for every good deed. And it says here, in this verse, you'll be enriched in every way, liberally in every way. So I want to encourage you that it's not only God's way about bringing good deeds, but look what it also says. The sixth reason is that it's God's way of providing for you. And that messes with our head, isn't it? If I give away, God's going to provide for me. That's what it says. As we give beyond and become generous, it's God's way of providing everything that we need. It says we will have a sufficiency For our own needs, giving away and giving is a way of having what you need. It's a it's a way of disciplined way, a regular way, a generous way. It's a good view of the promises of God. God says, "If you give, I promise you, you will have all that you need for yourself." (laughs) That's how generous God is. And so, uh, I want to encourage you with that. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully having all grace and always having all sufficiently for everything that you need. And lastly, um, well, let me just say this. Um, I've often heard this, I can't afford to tithe. Have you ever heard that before? I can't afford to tithe, I can't afford to give. Well, here's the deal. We live a life of faith, and every time you give, you are declaring over your life that you are living by faith and that's Christian discipleship that's, that's basically how we how we live in, in, in the Christian world is by faith we, we every moment of every day is saying Jesus I'm trusting you with my life I'm trusting you with my future we were up in Leeds yesterday for um, Matt looking at a university for him and a music course and we were looking at the finances of the, the, the course and we had to say yesterday up in Leeds Jesus we are trusting you for our future we're trusting you <laughs> what can we do? We can trust you. That's all we can do with all of our hearts because you are a provider and your word says that if we give, we will have all that we need. And right now, our son needs Will you provide for us. Amen. This, it's, we're all in the same boat. We're all walking by faith. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so it's not any more difficult for anyone else. We are all in the same boat. And it's... Uh, I want to say to you, it's the only safe way to handle your money. Uh, Jesus once said in Luke 6, 38, Give, will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and things will pour into labor. So uh, I've tried to say this this morning. It's not a guarantee of getting wealthy. I'm not into that. This church will never be into that as long as I lead it. But it isn't a guarantee that for every good work and for every need that we have, God will bless us and provide for us. Amen? And then lastly, I've said it already. It proves and strengthens your faith. There's an absolute connection between walking by faith and the promises of God. And as we walk by faith in the promises of God, there's a peace of mind that comes to us. Because you see, we think we need a whole lot of stuff that we don't really need. <laughs> and uh, Hebrews 13:5 puts it like this: "Let your character be free from a love of money, being content with what you have." You know, half our problems in our lives more than half we're not content with what we have. We always want something else. Isn't that true? Always. And, and uh, the, the, the world in which we live, media feeds your desire for more of everything. So you've got a nice TV, which is an HD TV, but now you need a very big HD TV. And so I, I was uh, walking the other day uh, I pray in our park and it was late in the afternoon and I saw this TV that literally covered the whole wall of this tiny little flat. I'm like going, why? Why do you need such a big TV? <laughs> Size is not everything. <laughs> and so we have tiny homes with massive TVs. TVs. Come on now, we don't need big TVs. I'm being a bit naughty, but... If you doubt that you can live on 90% of your income, let the glorious promise of God come to you this morning. My God will supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Jesus. Philippians 4.19 Now, I care about this so much, and I care if I'm trying to teach it to my boys. I've lived like this ever since I earned money. I've always lived like this. Why? Because tithing is a faith issue. Walking by faith, being a disciple of Jesus, this is what it's about. This is the the basic discipleship issue that we all face. Do we trust God's promises for us or not? That's what it boils down to. Do we really trust you, God, with this? Or don't we? And I'm trying to encourage you to this morning, I'm trying to appeal to you as God's people. Trust Him. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He will supply all your needs. Will you become a generous giver? Not for my sake, for the kingdom's sake, for God's sake, and for the the lost and the broken in the world in which you live. Amen? So I don't know where you are this morning, but let's break bread. We're we going to trust God. And uh, if you need, if you need uh, to, to ask God for blessing, I've asked, I'm asking God for blessing in my own life in a different way. I, I'm saying, God, I need you to bless our family right now. And um, I'm boldly asking God for his blessing. So if you need a better job to, to provide better for your family, boldly ask him. Say, Jesus, I'm trusting you for this. If you need to take one more little step along this spectrum, wherever you are, take that step this morning. Determine in your heart just to take another step forward so we can learn to be a generous people. Amen? And be, be, Encourage each other along this journey. Let's, let's pray, and then we're going to break bread together. Father, I want to thank you for um, your words and your goodness. I want to thank you, Lord, for everything you provide us with. And Lord, as we, as we just pray and minister to you and to each other this morning as we break bread, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come with encouragement into our own hearts, that you'd seal these things in our hearts. Lord, that we would live free in every area. We thank you for the freedom of the gospel. We thank you that there's no compulsion on our lives. But we thank you too that, Lord, your word compels us. There's a a, a desire on the inside that that we have to meet uh, as we just live before you. And uh, I pray that you'd stoke that desire in us, Lord, to, to live for you, to live in a way that pleases you and is worshipful to you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to curb those things in our own lives that need curbing so that we can be more generous in other areas. And, and Lord, all, you, you, all of us have a different story, but we just thank you, Lord, for, for what you are doing in this church and how you're leading us forward. Uh, I want to pray, Lord, as we go to Cambodia, that your kingdom would come a little bit more in that area, that we would be a blessing to those people that something of good news to the poor will be lived out as we go and preach the gospel and live the gospel in in Cambodia at the end of the month. And Lord, I trust you for these things this morning by the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.